Prete bive za nastraste Iisuse Christe Sinu Bože pomiluj nas Alright, if I find it I'll sing it for you, or if I find a recording of it, I'll post it. It is Friday, April 15th, 2022. I'm Stephen Sersky, and this here is the end of the week for this work week here in Beijing, China. And uh, yes, this here is my audio blog. I post this Monday to Friday every day on uh, anchor.fm, Spotify, and of course on my website. You can find it there, stephensersky.com is where I keep an ar- uh, an ar- archive of all these things. I just updated the website today, actually, so uh, uh, the last week's episodes are all up for you to download if you've missed anything. And also, the other thing that I've uploaded this week is uh, the, the finale of March Motion. And you'd almost think that I'd feel a little bit relieved by it being over, but I now realize that I haven't even really made a dent into the After Effects challenge that I put forth for myself this month. Uh, throughout uh, April, I was planning on making a, a, a new sort of video with After Effects, Adobe After Effects, every single day. It's turned out to be a little bit more challenging because I've never used After Effects before. So uh, this is, but that's part of the challenge is to uh, learn this program to uh, make it uh, become a little bit more uh, fluid in my own workflow. Since it is a pay-per-month usage type of application, I'm okay with having working knowledge of it. I don't feel the need to be making it a mainstay of my production pipeline. For that, I can tell you, as far as I can tell right now, Final Cut Pro and Apple Motion would do just about most things that I need it to do, uh, or that I need done anyway. Uh, and uh, if I were to ever use After Effects, I'm not sure. There might be workarounds, or there might be other ways to sort of uh, solve the issue. But yes, it is Friday. It is Good Friday if you celebrate Easter. I actually, this snuck up on me because I, being in China, uh, these, um, I, I can call them very Western religious celebrations and uh Times, seasons, are pretty much absent. I mean, Christmas can be a deal here in China sometimes, but even last year's was a little bit more subdued than uh, than usual. And Easter, almost non-existent, which is very strange, given that Easter is sort of what uh, the church bases itself on. Christmas is one thing, you know, the birth of uh, God, of the Son of God in human form, that's one part of it. The big portion of the, the Christian, the Catholic belief, and this is where the schism kind of uh, comes into play as well, back in the 1000 AD, 1088 AD I think is when the schism happened between the Orthodox and the uh, the Catholics, or the Christians, um, 
that was a different different situation. I'll get to that. Actually, I should explain that. Um, so with Easter, that it, this is sort of what uh, the, the, the Catholic Church does base itself on. The Church, sorry, not just the Catholic Church. The Church bases itself on is the resurrection of the Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, conquering death, basically. So that is, you know, we. I think pop culture has done a pretty good job of introducing the idea of Jesus Christ, uh, of the person. You can argue that any way you like; doesn't matter. Uh, but at the at the story goes, uh, the belief is that Jesus Christ, Son of God, uh, you know, kind of like a hippie type of guy, was like, yeah, peace, love, and chill out, and treat people like you want to be treated, sort of thing. That sounds like a good good idea. So the Romans beat the fuck out of him and then uh, crucified him for it. Pardon my language, I guess I shouldn't put it that way. They beat him to a bloody pulp, uh, strung, him up, strung him up on a cross. He died, and then he got up from the grave three days later. That's your uh, very short version of the story of the resurrection of Jesus. The fact that he, or the idea that he got up, he resurrected from the grave, that is the basis of the church, because he uh, he, he appeared to the apostles, his uh, followers, his fan club, uh, afterwards, and says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm alive and well, uh, don't forget about me, keep on preaching the good word, and uh, peace, love, and chill out, folks, right? And so he, uh, there on basically made... Was it Peter or Paul who was the exact first pope? If you ever go to the Vatican's website on the history of the popes, I, I'm going to have to look this up because I don't want to get this wrong. St. Peter. St. Peter. He's the rock upon which the human Catholic church or human church is based on. He was the first pope. Uh, and the, uh, the, the pope, like the history of the Vatican, traces itself all the way back. I mean... All those very nifty characters you hear about uh, that occupied the throne of uh, the Pope, they're listed <laughs> on the website. You can go take a look at that. It's kind of neat that they do sort of maintain this uh, lineage of the Pope or the, the papal throne, papal seat, if you will. I'm not going to get into the uh, different uh, offshoots of the Christian belief, the the theological god belief because you have you have the jewish belief you have the catholic belief you have the christian belief you have the orthodox and then like in the 1600s 1700s you have the presbyterians and i even for me i will fully admit the history of the church uh gets blurred a little bit simply because there is a lot that happened uh, and there's a lot that happened in different parts of the world that we hear so much about these days. And I'm talking about, like, the Anglican Church. <laughs> we hear about the Anglicans and the Unitarians, the Presbyterians, the Protestants, all these different sects, all these different uh, offshoots of the same idea. They all follow the same God, at least that's what it seemed that they should. Uh, but the belief in how the Bible should be interpreted that is um, subject to interpretation, uh, to different sort of geographies and communities that were rallying behind one passage or another. 
and I'm being general because and yesterday I was talking about, you know, one of the things that you do as a podcaster or blogger is don't talk about religion. <laughs> it gets people up in arms. Um, I, I don't think this can be argued too much because these are the things that uh, have been noted in the evolution of the, the, the Christian, the Catholic faith, the, the Jesus-following faith, if you will. This, uh, I think also, we, we are in the midst of Ramadan as well, so that's also completely different size. And now I got a dog barking at me. I don't think he's going to win that well. He will, because he's louder than I am. Uh, but, uh, so these, these faiths, I mean, have developed over time. And given the fact that uh, a lot of it rests on uh, how the the interpretations of the the Bible, the different Bible passages, and how things can be um, taken, can they be taken at face value by the Word, or do they need to be interpreted? Are they a guide? Are they like a film script? That it's more like a guide of what to, to go by rather than exactly what's going on. And this is... This still goes on today because people take it and, they, and one of the th- issues that bothers me with people who are, you would call them Bible thumpers, right? Uh, people who sort of believe so much in the Bible or the, the way of the church. And I go, you have to understand the context of what happened back then. Like 2,000 years ago during the Roman Empire, Right. At the turn of the, what we call the turn of the uh, the millennia, which is sort of a, you know, pick a number, right? Pick a number of when that happened and uh, you can sort of build a history around it, whether it's 0 AD or 1 AD or 1 BC, 33 BC, 33 AD. Who knows exactly, right? Um, we'll leave it to the time-traveling litigators in the future to figure that one out for uh, precise dates but in terms of how this is all uh, culminated into today with the different belief systems, the different uh, organizations around the world that all follow the same idea. They follow the same Bible. Uh, they follow the same God, uh, the one God that created the universe in seven days and that, that story of creation so with all of that, uh, it's you look at Easter, this is one of those weekends, this is one of those times, this is one of those events that the church sort of uh, is, you know, is founded upon. I didn't realize growing up, and this is partly because, I mean, when I was growing up, my parents told me to go to church, I went to church. I mean, I didn't really argue with them until later on in life, um, but uh, the church has seasons. I never knew this. The church has a calendar that it goes by. And there's sort of like, um, what would you call it? Like a summer recess? A summer break? So even after Easter, there's 40 days after Easter, which takes you into like, you know, usually like June. And there's another couple of weeks after there, we're in, it's the Theotokos. Theotokos. It's the Greek word for like the, the, the a vision of Jesus, I think it is. And that happens around the first week of August. And between that point 
and the beginning, maybe middle of September, there's nothing. It's like recess. I didn't realize this. I'm, I'm probably butchering this. Uh, probably not getting it entirely accurate. But the idea of a church calendar is very much real. And you can ask just about, you can ask any priest, they should know this. Any nun, they'll know this. Because there are certain uh, procedures, certain hymns that you sing at different times of the year and at different times of the day honoring uh, both like not just the uh, the saints of the church but the apostles of uh, the things that Jesus was reported to have done on certain at certain occasions uh, like throughout the year sort of thing so with that I mean it's a, a very seasonal um, immersive belief system, if you will, if you follow it. If you don't, then, I mean, you're probably going to... Can, I can say that nowadays we don't follow it uh, as much. The church has been relegated to sort of a, uh, a backseat driver, almost, in a lot of circumstances, for many reasons. I mean, it's. I'm not going to point my finger exactly at the belief system so much as the human component that makes up a lot of the church... It attracted people that have given it a bad name, right? And this has happened throughout history. This is not. This is nothing new. Uh, this is a symptom of an organization growing to an extent and offering perks and benefits. And I don't mean like anything perverse here. I mean just in in general, you know, free room and board. People would take advantage of that, right? They would they would, you know, go towards that sort of stuff. As we see today as well you know when uh, a company offers you free room and board you're like sure <laughs> when does the contract start uh when does uh when do you want me there by sort of thing right so that is uh part of it uh but i did grow up ukrainian catholic uh in my household my house uh not my house my parents house when we were growing up um holy thursday was a, a big issue as well Lent uh, was a time that we were sort of, uh, uh, along with Advent, although Advent, I don't know if Advent was as sort of, uh, I don't want to say not as important, because to my mom, I mean, if my mom ever hears this, she's going to be like, you're wrong, this is, like, she's very much more faithful than I am, and I attribute her and her faith to a lot of my good fortune, in life, I'm not going to lie. Um, Advent, since I guess it, it was at the beginning of the school year, there were so many other distractions that it was almost like one of those things that it was very difficult to sort of honor all the time because we were busy uh, trying not to fail at the beginning of the school year uh, rather than at the end sort of thing, right? Um, but Lent, I mean, we're already into the halfway through the school year. You sort of know what's expected of you and things like this. Lent was sort of seems to be a little bit more uh, serious, a little bit more grave. And part and parcel of that is the uh, the content of the, the event where Easter you have the whole death, dying, resurrection. And the hymns are much more solemn compared to those of Christmas. Christmas is a much more much more joyous occasion, especially in the Ukrainian uh, Canadian Christmas tradition. The hymns that are sung, Christmas is by far more, uh, much more of a happier occasion. Whereas Easter, 
literally up until Easter morning, the hymns are all about death and sorrow and just how terrible things are. <laughs> it's it's not fun stuff. Um, and the, the you know Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ kind of showed that very explicitly how uh, they beat almost beat the life out of Jesus before they strung him up on the cross. Uh, but uh, that's that's the there you go that's what lent leads into and so with lent uh it was sort of you know if you're going to give up chocolate for something or you're going to uh, give up alcohol back when it was probably it was it more possible to give up alcohol when you're younger or is it easier when you're older i'm not sure <laughs> very good question but with that with the uh, with lent uh compared to advent lent had Stations of the Cross every week, every Thursday, every Wednesday, every Friday. I can't, I mean, it, it changed different days depending on the availability of uh, the personnel. Uh, and since we were altar boys as well, and don't get any funny ideas in your head, I'm not even going to entertain those. Uh, you can piss off with that shit if you want, uh, but don't talk to me about it. Uh, it never, I never saw it in my church, I never saw it in the people I was with. So if you have those comments, bugger off right oh literally go get out of here um but i was an altar boy uh along with my brothers and we were we served with these uh for these services all the time and every week you know stations of the cross we would go to i think it was thursdays usually and these events were marked they were marked by two things very very solemn hymns but then also afterwards we would go to our grandparents and we would go probably usually watch hockey or whatever sports was on and then we'd have chocolate bars and you know whatever else that our grandparents had uh, for treats because our parents wouldn't give us that stuff as readily as our grandparents did. So that is sort of we Lent was a lot more formulaic in the sense of the church going ceremonies. Whereas Christmas we there wasn't as much there wasn't a weekly event to go to there wasn't a weekly uh, service that you had to be at or that was seen as sort of a uh, you know a, a, an act of penance whereas Lent you know with the stations of the cross you'd go through the 13 14 stations of the cross 14 and uh, you would do the whole ceremony they would it was the 14 stations of the cross. And each had a certain specific story behind it. They would read through it, and then the one song that I remember, the one hymn, was the Prete Pive song. And this one was marked by the fact that it was very somber. And you hear this tone in other sort of springtime musics of the world. At least I have noticed it before. I've never done an official study of this. I don't know anybody who has done an official study of this. I can say that when I came to China and heard the whole gong si gong si gong si ni ya, that one, that that little good luck in the New Year sort of thing that happens so often in the spring festival, that is very similar to the same type of uh, intonation that you would find in religious songs or religious hymns uh, in, in the springtime. Again, 
I haven't verified this. I haven't studied this. This is just what my ears are telling me. If you've heard anything, let me know. If you know any, any ethnomusicological studies that would have uh, looked at this, I'd be interested in taking a look. I haven't come across anything uh, that has sort of affirmed, confirmed my suspicions, uh, my ideas. Right. So this Prati Pive uh, hymn is one in which I remember because it, it was it also involved an action in which you you were standing there, we were standing there with the cross, and then uh, you'd have to cross yourself and then get down on your knees and bow to the ground. And it was the deepest bow that you would make, right? It was, and you know, you're wearing a cassock. We had these uh, special red cassocks that we'd wear during the uh, the Lent Lenten times. And you had to be careful that you didn't trip on them when you stood up. Uh, but that was what it was. That This one song, you'd repeat it 14 times, 28 times. I can't remember how many times we sung it per station. Um, and it was it was sung once per station. And then at the end, I think it was sung three times. Because three is your, your golden number. Because uh, it represents the trinity of, uh, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Um in in the uh, the Catholic faith in the Christian faith, and the whole thing for Stations of the Cross, it actually uh, the duration of it would very much depend on who the priest was or who the deacon was at that time. Uh, usually, it fell upon the deacon to do it. I remember that uh, Deacon Cohooch, uh, he was uh, uh, the the guy I remember doing the Stations of the Cross most often. Uh, very nice guy, and. And when I say it depends on them, it depended on how fast they read it, or if they sang it, or if they did all of the, like the, you know, from letter A to all of a sudden, like the last letter of the booklet sort of thing. It really depended on how formal they were being. I want to say that it was an hour and a half, but I think that's too long. It might have been half hour, might have been 45 minutes. I mean, 14 stations times 5 minutes, that's going, what, 75 minutes already, right? 65 minutes? 75 minutes? Um, that seems about right. And and they happen around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock or something like that. But this is this is what I grew up with in uh, at uh, in my in my youth, in my, my childhood, for years. For years we went to Stations of the Cross. Uh, and then finally, and this is sort of what became such a... Uh, I don't know. Isn't didn't become. I mean, it, this is the, the the culture shock of seeing and experiencing Christmas and Easter overseas. Not just these Christian uh, celebrations, uh, but also witnessing the religious celebrations of other cultures. Is that the the Lenten lead up? You know. The, the big Christmas celebration, the big Easter celebration. Easter weekend was mar- was probably one of the most busiest religious weekends throughout the whole church calendar because you had your Stations of the Cross, especially on, uh, on Holy Thursday, uh, which was yesterday. Um, you'd go through that. And then on Friday, Friday morning, Good Friday, when in Canada, like everything shut down. So, so if you want to talk about like church and state and you want to go through that argument, Good Friday, everything is shut down. Stock market's closed today. Friday, it's good. Good Friday, it's closed. 
Is it closed on Monday? I don't think so. And I think it's it might even be a half day on Holy Thursday. It's a half day on Christmas Eve. I know that. Um, and I only mention that because that's how, you know, there's your business aspect being affected by the religious component of uh, of the country, that's the host country. So, Holy Thursday, you had Stations of the Cross. And then on Friday, Good, uh, Good Friday, in the morning, we would go there for um, the like another service and I think it was Friday afternoon I my time I forgive me if I'm wrong here was it Friday morning that we re, we set up the tomb and this was sort of one of the mystical the magical the the neat components of going to church was that from Thursday to Friday or to Saturday I can't remember really going to Friday mass to my liturgy so much uh but saturday was a different i'll get to that in a, in a second but friday was your your good friday um event your your liturgy in which jesus was crucified saturday was a bigger sort of event and i, I mean bigger because we were at church longer <laughs> so friday was an hour of a solemn service in which this guy gets his um gets strung up on a cross and his ribs jabbed and you know he dies and, crawl, and cries out to god and says you know his mother is there and everything he's beaten to a bloody pulp and he's going oh god what the, what happened <laughs> where'd you go <laughs> why did you why are you leaving me hanging here that's that's what he's saying at that time, uh, and then the thunder rumbles and the earth opens and uh, he dies. He humanly dies, taken down from the cross. The whole procession going to the tomb, and so that was Friday, which was marked by a fast. So, you remember a couple months ago, I was talking about intermittent fasting and how religions, a lot of religions, have this component built in to their belief system. Like Ramadan, we're in the middle of Ramadan. You can't eat between sun up and sundown. After sundown, okay, you go go to town, but during the day, it's water and cigarettes. I think is what the Muslims have mostly. <laughs> At least that's what I remember when I was in Indonesia a few years ago. Um, the Catholics with Lent uh, and and Advent, there's that fasting component wherein you don't eat certain things. You're supposed to give up something, and then also on Fridays. Typically on Fridays, in memorial of Good Friday, you're, you're not supposed to have meat. You're supposed to have fish. I mean, fish is okay, but you're not supposed to have anything sort of... I guess it's no, no meat and dairy. I think that's usually what it was. Although, good luck finding anyone following that these days, I think. Uh, so, with that, with Good Friday, that was sort of like one of the, the more serious fasts that I remember my mother sort of implementing in in the household that like like if you if you dared to have milk with your cereal on Friday morning good Friday I mean you were getting that look of just complete abject disappointment like how could you and I, and I don't blame my mother for this it was like there's one rule no meat and dairy on good Friday and you just did it how did you break that rule right one day can you just not eat that sort of stuff, right? In observance for the Catholic faith, for for your faith that you've been baptized into. 
So, uh, and this would usually, I guess this would go on until, uh, well, I remember our grandparents being very generous at like 10 p.m. Being, all right, you can have your Oreos. <laughs> you know, stop asking for them, have the Oreos. Uh, and so, I don't know why I remember one particular time, I guess there was some sort of Star Trek promotion going on. And it was because it was Good Friday. They had the Star Trek Oreo boxes or whatever. And I was like, well, can we have Oreos? <laughs> and so we had Oreos at 10 p.m., which goes back, like, you're not supposed to have it from the whole day, which meant midnight to midnight. That was the idea. Give or take a couple hours, right? And plus, grandparents have a certain leeway with uh, uh, the rules. They put in they put in a long time in their belief and their faith, right? So Good Friday was one, one component of a lot of fasting. And then Sunday, or say Saturday, was the longest time that we'd spend at church because as altar boys, we would go for the blessing of the baskets. And this was huge because this is kind of where we, you know, made a little pocket money and things like this. Uh, and we got a lot of chocolate as well. And also on Saturdays, we were able to eat chocolate. We were able to eat, you know, milk and dairy and all that stuff, milk and meat and everything without, you know, getting the stern, how could you sort of eyes. But on Saturday afternoons, that's all we'd be at. We'd be at church from 1 p.m. until 6 p.m. Right, so it was five hours, six hours in the, it was the church, uh, church auditorium, no, um, what do you call that thing? Oh, the hall. We called it the hall, right? So the, the church hall, which was across the street from the actual church, because the, the church wasn't big enough to accommodate all of the families that would come over with their Easter baskets. And so this is where you would start hearing more of the joyous songs of resurrection, the songs of like, uh, you know, he's not dead. Jesus isn't dead. He's he's getting up. He's going to get up tomorrow morning. We're expecting it sort of thing. Right. And so that's where you'd hear a bit more of the upbeat tone of the musics involved in the, uh, the church traditions. And this would like, uh, these blessings would take, oh, can I remember 30 minutes, 40 minutes each, and again, kind of de- the the most time. It wasn't so much the service; it was the actual going around and the blessing of the baskets. Because we'd have this this chalice of holy water. That uh, I mean, it wasn't just water. They had to go through a certain ceremony of making sure of like having the holy water there, blessing the water, and then you know sprinkling it on everybody. And this was part of the fun. Uh, Part of the experience of blessing the baskets was that you would get sprinkled with holy water. It's a whole family affair. I mean, everybody, the whole family was sort of expected to be at the blessings. And in the Ukrainian-Canadian tradition, you'd have your eggs, your ham, your your butter lamb, which was a stick of lamb, sorry, stick of butter shaped as a lamb. Literally, like curled with like little fluff sort of thing. It was a work of art. <laughs> and you'd have your kolach and all these paska and uh, the pisanka, which are the colored uh, Ukrainian Easter eggs that you'd sort of see so much of uh, uh, across your social medias these days. Uh, but that was all part and parcel. Uh, I guess maybe on Good Fridays we would make some of the pisanka. Maybe it was Holy Thursday. I can't remember. But leading up to Easter. It was sort of the time to make the uh, the uh, the dyed eggs, the the pisinka, the pisinka, 
uh, the Easter eggs that are so famous, so well-known in sort of pop culture, if you will. And so that was Saturday. We were, You'd bless these baskets, and that would be the food that you're, you're going to eat after service on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, um, I don't remember going to the first service very much, uh, very often, and I'm not sure. See, on Christmas, they would have a midnight mass, midnight liturgy, wherein uh, literally you would go to the church at night and they would have a service that would represent the birth of Christ. On Easter Sunday, instead, what they do is that it's at dawn, like at first daybreak. And so this would vary depending on when Easter would fall in the calendar. Uh, and it would also sort of depend on the weather in my hometown, not going to lie. Uh, because what would happen is that not only at uh, sun up, like at sunrise, wherein the the uh, Jesus has risen from uh, the tomb we would go around the church three times in procession like sort of like the whole church the whole everyone who showed up would go around the church three times depending on the weather it would you know it could be a messy little affair if it was if it was too muddy outside the the priest is like we're not going outside <laughs> we're not getting the carpets dirty uh we're staying inside we'll go around inside the church and that will be good enough the one thing I forgot to mention, the very important aspect of Good Friday was that they believe in the Plastanitia, which is the, uh, basically, uh, a carpet, a rug, with the image of Jesus, who's passed away, who's dead, who's lying, entombed, and we bring that in on Good Friday. Okay, so Sunday morning, that gets taken out. Right, like, he, it's, it's gone. Uh, and so it represents that he's been... Uh, risen from the dead, uh, he's Christos Voskres, Christ Voskres, you know, Christ is risen, indeed he is risen. So that was sort of part and parcel of the Sunday morning um, Easter celebrations that I grew up with. After that, like you still, you're not supposed to eat. Like in this, this hang, this is still true, like even without Easter, on Sundays, you're not supposed to eat until after liturgy's over. You come home from liturgy, then you can eat. One of the first things that you're supposed to have is a uh, blessed egg. I, I don't know where that tradition came from. It just is something that was there. There's blessed eggs, you have a ham. Uh, what else do you have? Well, whatever was blessed on Holy Saturday, that's what you would have on Easter Sunday. So that's what we would have for years, but again, since we were altar boys and uh, we'd be at church until 10 o'clock in the morning, we'd come home, have the meal with the family, and then we'd go to the grandparents afterwards. Sometimes we'd all do it once, just to, you know, make things a little bit easier, and I think maybe if our, if the families were willing to put up with all the screaming kids around at that time, uh, but uh, that's basically the essence of the Easter celebrations, as as I remember it, growing up so many years ago, and for years we did this. Like this wasn't just a one-off. This was decades <laughs> that I participated in this uh, this sort of uh, ceremony. So I can say, like now that I'm leave, living here in Beijing, China, um, one of the things that sort of 
is missing from so much of these, even if they're international celebrations, international uh, holidays, Christmas, Easter, without this lead up. And I, I can almost say that without my mom sort of hounding me to sort of observe the religiousness of the event, the, the holiness of the events, uh, you know, it doesn't feel the same. Now, I know things have changed. The world is modernized. I mean, say whatever you want about the church. I mean, I'm not going to argue too much with you. You're going to have your opinion. I'll have mine. It's, you, you go your way, right? So, but with that, I mean, without these sort of token traditional efforts, this lead up, that this is a lot of what sort of I understand when Chinese people are returning for Spring Festival, like that's what this country is holding on to, is, is that sort of grasp at that uh, iron hand against the tradition. You don't, you don't let this go, right? Like it's you, it's an unshakable bond sort of thing. If you can believe that that can actually happen, right? D- despite the cost, you know, flights, trains, whatever, time. You come back, right? And it's the same with Christmas. At least it was supposed to be that way. Easter, although people don't make the homeward journey uh, for Easter as much, it is, you know, one of the foundational uh, events of the church. All right, well, <laughs> I've now given you a very brief summation. And I know it's a bit of a longer episode. It went on long yesterday, too. I'm sorry. Not sorry. I uh, hope you got a little bit out of that. Um uh, maybe uh, gave you some information that you didn't know. Hope I didn't uh, really push it into any parts that people might be offended by. And I say that not because I'm not willing to offend people. Honestly, I think some people are too sensitive. But because this is what I grew up with. This is, uh, these are the celebrations. This is the Easter I remember. Uh, And if I go back to Canada at times, these these are the things that, I mean people are still doing today you can show up in Canada and they'll be going through these although I did check my hometown's church and they said all the services were canceled Wednesday and Thursday not sure about Friday a little bit disappointing a little bit miffed that this is still going on but we adapt and we are resilient people it's a resilient language resilient religion Right? It's survived this long? Should continue to survive? Yes. So that's my experience with Easter. That's what I'm thinking about. And these are the hymns that I'm I'm thinking about uh, at this time as well. All right, folks. I'm going to leave it there. I've gone on quite a bit about the uh, Easter, Easter, the Ukrainian-Canadian Easter traditions. And by no means is that a complete uh, picture of what's going on. It's a very brief summation uh, some of the things that I remember uh, very clearly, they're sort of the biggest events that I can remember. There's a lot of little things that go into it as well. A lot of, uh, what would you call, um, aspects, like especially the, with the food, the clothing, uh, the hymns that are being sung. I mean, this is all for something that you can go to Canada experiences. You can go to Ukraine, um, you know, once... Once Russia stops bombing it, you can go back to Ukraine and see these things happening as well. And I was there in Ukraine for Easter a few years ago, a decade ago or so. Uh, and they were continue on with very similar traditions. So, I mean, the, the diaspora was still 
continuing on. One of the things that one of the things that they did say uh, that I, you wouldn't say it until Sunday was Christos Voskras and Christos Voskras is Christ is risen. Voisne Voskras, indeed he is risen. And that's the response. But you wouldn't say that until Sunday. Before then, it's you know it's uh you don't say anything, <laughs> basically, because again, Jesus isn't risen until Sunday. Get it right, right? Okay, folks, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, let me know if you guys uh, want to know anything more about these uh, these traditions that uh, go on or that went on. I can try to fill in some more details, but I think that does a pretty good job of sort of explaining uh, the uh, my childhood Easter. Show notes and tracks up on my website. Hope you guys have a great weekend, good Easter weekend if you're celebrating. And, of course, stay safe out there. We will talk again. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.